Welcome to Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word, hosted by Utah's own Pastor Steve Pearson of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs. At Shouts of Grace Radio, it's our purpose to encourage you to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. Today, we're taking a break from our regular format to sit in on the teaching ministry at Redemption Hill Church. So let's get started. So I just did get back last night at one in the morning. Um, last year for COVID, my 25th wedding anniversary was canceled. And so um, this year we decided to get a beach house in Rosarita Beach, um, Mexico. On the trip up, uh, the, the couple we went with, uh, she likes to take the headrest out of her passenger seat. And so I happened to be sitting in the passenger seat. And, and then I, I dozed off somewhere in Utah for like about three hours. I was going forward and then those headrests, so I was going back. Whatever happened when I got to California, um, I literally um, could not see anything. Everything was double. I was like, what is wrong with me? I can't see straight. I'm falling asleep while I'm standing up. I have no idea what is going on. As I did that, you guys, um, fear started to set in. If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 33. That's where we're going to be this morning. But as as I did this, fear started to set in. If you're anything like me, um, your mind goes to the worst when things start to happen to you, right? Like originally, you know, when this happened, I woke up Monday morning, we were in Mexico, and I'm looking at all the internet stuff, and I'm thinking, okay, double vision, real big exhaustion, and so I'm thinking I'm having an aneurysm, right? Because I'm thinking, man, well, these are all the symptoms of an aneurysm, and so I was bummed out all of Monday. And then waking up Tuesday, I thought, well, maybe it's not an aneurysm because I'm already talking about you guys. We need to go to San Diego. We need to go to the hospital. Get me in there. So I wake up Tuesday and I'm thinking, well, maybe I had a stroke. Like I hear about people who have mini strokes. And so now on Monday, I was dying of an aneurysm. On Tuesday, I'm dying of a stroke. And so I'm looking at all of the internet and all of the symptoms match up to what I'm having. So I'm like, gosh, I'm having an aneurysm and a stroke. And I realized, man, I started having a Peter moment. I realized that my eyes were completely off of God for three days. And you know what left is my joy. Three days of my trip was completely ruined because I was convinced I had this fear inside of me, this deep fear that I was dying of multiple things. And then I stopped and realized, God, I'm sinking in what should be under my feet. I shouldn't allow the enemy to rip off my joy because of all this fear. I realized, man, I needed to be reminded again, you guys. I needed to be reminded once again that my God has me. And I like what the Apostle Paul says in Acts chapter 20, when he's going in Acts chapter 20, verse 23, when he's talking about, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, knowing what awaits me, trials and tribulations and all these things that are coming at me. And then he says this, but none of these things move me and I don't count my life dear to myself. This is a guy who'd been through far worse than not being able to see, though he was, went through that too. And he says, none of these things move me. Whatever I encounter in my life, it doesn't shake me because I don't count my life dear to myself. You guys, I was afraid for three days. Well, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses also had a fear. You guys, it was a fear that he first 
realized or first surfaced back in Exodus chapter 3 and verse and ch- chapter 3 and chapter 4 when God told him Moses I'm going to use you to deliver my people at which point Moses told God who am I that you should use me like I'm nobody and then God says to him the most comforting words you will find anywhere in scripture in fact tattoos are a big thing today people ought to get this tattooed on them if they wish as a Christian. It is the crux of your faith. It is the thing that gives fuel to your faith and to your existence. When God tells him at Moses' response, who am I that you should send me? In Exodus 3.12, God says, I will certainly be with you. I want you to consider those words. I will certainly be with you. Moses doesn't really know who God is yet. He, he knows he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he says the first time he's been introduced to him, God doesn't, God doesn't tell him a whole lot about himself. He just says, what's your name? I am. <laughs> well, who should I say send me? I am sent you. Now go, and I will be with you. So Moses really doesn't know a ton about God, but those words... On the back end, on this side of it, should mean everything to the Christian. It's like, boom, that should be enough. When God says to you, in your seat this morning, certainly I will be with you. It's what is the center of your faith. You don't, you don't go by yourself. You don't live this life on your own. You don't find the strength to overcome all of these different things, you guys. God says, certainly I'm with you. And when I lose sight of that, I will sink into the worst fears. You guys, those words should squash every anxiety in every situation, every time. Those words are the same words that are so powerful when Jesus spoke. And he said, I will be with you. Always. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Those are the words that keep us focused so we don't sink into whatever trial it is that is capturing us. It's what keeps us above it. Those words, certainly I will be with you, should be the banner of every Christian's faith. But unfortunately, you guys, those words aren't enough. They're not enough for us just like they weren't enough for Moses. You see, you guys, as Moses went back and forth with God, when God said, I'm going to send you, we eventually see his real heart revealed, right? In Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, he used his inabilities as a cloak for not obeying God. He said, God, I can't go because I can't speak. Like, this is, I, this is crazy. I can't speak. And again, God says, don't worry, I'll be with you. Your your fears don't matter, Moses. I'll be with you. And finally, Moses said, Lord, send someone else. (laughs) God, let me just get right down to it. Just send someone else. I just don't want to go. Because why? Because he was afraid. And we're told that God's anger burned against Moses And so God tells Moses, fine, I'll send someone with you. I'll send your brother Aaron with you. But listen, the the strategy doesn't change. 
I'll be with you both, he says. I'll be with you and what you say and with him and what he says. In other words, Aaron isn't going to give you some assurance that I can't give you. He's not going to give you a comfort because you've got a companion with you because I'm going to be with you both. Nothing changes here, Moses. The only difference is you kind of sissied up, and so now i got to send somebody with you to hold your hand, and you could have done it all. If you just would have believed, certainly I am with you. You see, you guys, Moses reveals to us that the real problem that grips the human heart is that the sum particularly with him in this situation, is that the sum of all his fears added up to more assurance than God's ability to carry him. He counted, listen, he counted all of his fears and the sum of all of his fears as more worthy of recognition than God's ability to be with him. Certainly, I will be with you. When you come to Exodus 33, And we see this fear resurfaced. You guys, God says something that's a little different that he didn't say earlier. In Exodus 33, Moses and the children of Israel are regathered from the tragedy of the golden calf, right? They had, Moses had gone up the mountain. He'd been gone for 40 days. They raised up a calf. And so he came down. He threw the law that he had, that he'd been given by God at the people's feet. And we're told that as all of that took place, 3,000 souls were killed. And so now they're re-kind of gathering after that. They've got two broken tablets on the ground. They've got the, the, the mayhem of 3,000 dead people. Pick the story up in Exodus chapter 33. Look at verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, lead these people up, but you've not let me know to whom you will send, who you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor with me. Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you so that I may find favor with you. Now, consider that this nation is your people. And he replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, don't make us go up from here. Now, will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? How will it be known, God? And I and your people will be distinguished from all the other people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, please, let me see your glory. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you or in front of you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he added, you cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock And when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you will see my back, but my face you will not see. You guys, notice Moses' fear again. It rises up because now he knows, okay, 
I've already delivered them. They're out of Egypt. Now I got to lead them. I got to lead them to this place called the promised land. So Moses goes back and he says, okay, God, um, there's 3,000 dead people. There's a broken law there. Um, So now what do we do here? Because um, I got to lead these people. You haven't told me where we're going, right? And, and, And so here's the deal. If you don't go, I don't go. And God says, my presence will go with you. Notice the same thing he said in the very beginning, but notice, notice Moses' response. Um, okay, but if it doesn't go, I'm not going. He's learning. He doesn't try to bargain with God. He's seen a little bit since then. So now he's like, okay, th- that's good that your presence is going to go with us, but I really got to know that your presence is going or I ain't going. You guys, it's here, however, where Moses goes a step further than he did at the burning bush. And Moses says, Lord, show me your glory. I want to see you, God. I want to see all of who you are. I've heard about you. I've seen a couple cool things that you've done with these plagues and delivering us. But God, I want to see who you are. I mean, these are cool tricks, cool, mad, majestic things. But I want to know who it is that I'm following. He's going deeper, and God is bidding him to go deeper. And he says, okay, only one problem. You can't see my face, but I'll show you a portion of my glory. But here's what I'll do. I'll proclaim my name to you. I'll proclaim my name. God responds, you guys, by saying that no man can see him, but there's something in my name that if you get that, you'll know me. You'll know me. It's almost as if God is telling Moses, you guys, I've always told you I'll be with you, but I really never explained to you what that was. I never really explained to you who it was that would walk with you. But now I'm going to. Now I'm going to. In church, I pray that the proclamation of what God says about himself next To Moses, you guys, I pray that just as it gave Moses assurance that that God was greater than the sum of all his fears, because you will never see Moses do this again from here. Throughout the years in the wilderness, there is a steadfast trust in God when God goes further and just doesn't say, I am who I am. Let me tell you who I am is. Moses never questions him again. He follows, and he falls with a deep sense of just awe with God. God puts Moses in the cleft of a rock, about ready to transform his life. I'm going to tell you what I didn't tell you in chapter 3 and 4. He puts him in a cleft of a rock. He passes by him. He lets him see his glory And this is what he proclaims in Exodus chapter 34. And look at verse 5. The Lord came down in a cloud, stood with him there, and proclaimed his name. The Lord passed in front of him and said this. The Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth maintaining faithful love to thousands 
of generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the father's iniquity on the children and grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. Moses, this is the who. This is the who who was certainly with you. He didn't tell you this before, but now he's proclaiming to you that this one, this God is worthy to be recognized far more than the sum of all the fears that you have put together. They give you justification in your mind why you can't follow him, why you can't trust him, why you care more about dying of this and dying of that and having this than just trusting God. This is the one. And so he says, he's compassionate. You guys, God is compassionate towards you. Do you remember the story of the good Samaritan? The one who we're told fell among the thieves and the robbers and he was beaten and he was stripped and he was abandoned. Do you know how many people can give testimony today of that truth in their life when they encountered the wicked one, when they saw for the first time what he has done in their life, that he has fell upon them as a thief and a robber to kill and destroy, to rob them of their joy, to rob them of their life. He stripped them and leaves them. He doesn't hang out with you. He doesn't care anything about you. You're watching, you're watching online, you're watching in here. Satan doesn't care about you. So as you give your life and your obedience to him and you live just the way you want to live, thinking, oh, I'm just having so much fun. Man, I just came back from a week watching cities full of people live life how they want to live, not caring the first thing about God, thinking they're having a good time. He doesn't care about you. That's his form of raping you, beating you, and he will eventually leave you. He doesn't care about you. But... In the story of the Good Samaritan, when the man is fell amongst the thief and the robber and he's left, it was the priest that first encountered him. The priest, if anybody's supposed to do good to a brother that's down, it should be the priest who walked on by him. Great for you. Then there was a Levi. Hey, the Levi may not be the priest. He may not be a pastor, but certainly he's, a, he's a, 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 of a clan close to God. He's a, the one that may, may be just a regular Christian who at least should give some aid, nothing, walked on by. And then it was a Samaritan, a half-breed, one that you wouldn't think. And notice what he does. He picks the man up. He bandages him. He cares for his wound. And then he says, anything that is put to his account, charge to me. That is God. That is God. What does it mean when I am that I am? I'm compassionate. And when you've fallen amongst the enemy, when you have been hurt, when you have been wounded, when your mind has just been ravaged and he bails and leaves you there giving you no compassion and nothing to get over your issues, guess who comes in? God doesn't look at you and go, oh, it serves you right, idiot. You shouldn't have been going to those places. I told you to stop drinking and driving. I, I told you to stop 
doing drugs. I told you to stop being promiscuous. Now look at you. It serves you right. God doesn't do that. God finds the person. The story is about the compassion of Jesus. God finds that person. And he gives them compassion. When he could have said, yo, I told you so. I told you that lie. I told you the way of the transgressor's hard. He gives compassion. But you don't understand. I put myself there. You don't understand the things I did. I knew better. Okay, so you knew better. God has compassion. That's who he is. When your heart breaks, he doesn't sit back and go, he'll get over it. She'll get over it. He breaks with you. Now we're adding a little bit of color to the character and personality of the great I am. I'm compassionate towards you. I watch you. I look at you. And when your heart breaks, I break with you. We're told in that same passage that he's not only compassionate, but he's gracious. He's gracious. You guys, what that means is God keeps giving to you. He keeps giving to you. Well, like what? Forgiveness and mercy? He's giving you things in your family. He's giving you things in your work. He is giving and giving because it is his character and he's good. And I dare to ask how many of us give him back just the one thing he wants, the heart. Moses, certainly, I will be with you. And when I'm with you, compassion is with you and graciousness is with you. And it never leaves you, ever. As the church's heart starts to break and melt down, God, how could you be so good? Because it's who he is. Exodus 34, 6. The name of God is proclaimed, and he says, I'm slow to anger. I'm slow to anger. Let me translate that for you. I'm patient with you. I'm patient with you. When you're not patient with yourself, when you think you've done it again, I've gone too far, I've thought it again, I should have known, I should have learned, and the more that you have that mind, you want to step back and check out and go, God, you know, other people are far more deserving. God is patient with me. He knows, he knows exactly, listen, what you did, what you thought last night, next week, next month, next year, what you watched, he knows all of that. He knows everything you will do. And listen, he knew it on the day that he found you and saved you. And you are slow to anger. Now listen, it doesn't say he doesn't get angry. Let's clear that up. It says he's slow to anger. He's slow. He's patient. He is willing to grind on this thing called life with you and your failures and your successes and your valleys and your peaks. He is willing to walk with you and to not stop walking with you when you're willing to abandon yourself. 
he keeps going with you. Moses, I didn't tell you this in Genesis or in Exodus 3 and 4. I just said, go, I'll be with you. And I know you didn't know who it was that would be going with you. But now I'm telling you, I am compassionate towards you. I am gracious towards you. And I am not mad at you. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Shouts of Grace Radio, practical conversations from God's Word hosted by Pastor Steve Pearson. We hope you've been encouraged to see the Bible as God's source of truth for everyday life and grace as the foundation for a genuine relationship with God. If today's message encouraged you in your journey following and learning more about Jesus, we would love to hear from you. You can visit us online at shoutsofgraceradio.com. At shoutsofgraceradio.com, you can listen to all of our episodes, share them online with your friends, and find out more about Pastor Steve. Shouts of Grace Radio is an outreach of Redemption Hill Church in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Thank you again for joining us on today's show. And from all of us at Shouts of Grace Radio, it is our prayer that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ.